So I'm Matt Seymour and I'm a medical oncologist, work at the University of Leeds in the UK and I'm part of a collaboration of clinicians and scientists who put together the, the Foxtrot trial. Um, that includes Professor Dion Morton who's a, our lead surgeon and overall lead of the group who's in, uh, in the University of Birmingham but also very many others that say uh, we've had a, a large collaboration of clinicians of statisticians, radiologists, pathologists and others who together have put together this group and it's not confined to the UK, it's, it's the UK but also Denmark and Sweden. Post-operative adjuvant chemotherapy is the normal way in which we manage patients with colon cancer. Now back in 2008 when we, tr when we started this trial we were at a point where it had become established that combination chemotherapy, including two drugs, that's to say 5-FU and oxaliplatin, was an effective post-operative adjuvant treatment which could reduce the risk of colon cancer recurring in patients who had operable disease. But we reached a sort of a plateau, that's to say that although we were improving outcomes, there were still a lot of patients who were relapsing despite going through adjuvant chemotherapy. And in fact, not then and neither, neither since actually has any addition to those post-operative treatment options that we've, that we've been able to offer really substantially improved results. So we've been able to reduce toxicity, but we haven't been able to, to improve the efficacy of treatment in that post-operative setting. So we've sort of reached a plateau, reached a ceiling of effectiveness. Now, we wanted to look at giving chemotherapy preoperatively instead. And the reason for doing that is that preoperative chemotherapy means that we're getting drugs into patients two or three months earlier than we do if we wait until the post-operative setting. And that gives those drugs a chance to eradicate micrometastases which haven't yet become established, it perhaps gives us a chance to, to improve the long-term outcomes. It also uh, gives a chance for the drugs to work on the primary tumor itself, which the surgeon is going to be removing. And we do know that the incomplete removal of a primary tumor is a really important negative predictor when patients go through surgery. So by shrinking and downstaging uh, primary tumors, we felt that there was a chance that we would be able to improve operative outcomes as well. So for both of those reasons, giving some chemotherapy preoperatively makes really good sense. The reason it hadn't been done before in colon cancer is that there are a couple of impediments. The first is that colon cancer is quite difficult to get accurate radiological staging. For most cancers, things like breast cancer and, and rectal cancer and esophageal cancer, where we do use routinely neoadjuvant chemotherapy, we can get very accurate staging of those diseases with scans. With colon cancer, it's a lot more difficult. The colon moves about and we don't get quite such accurate staging information. So we're not quite as certain exactly what we're dealing with at the time of diagnosis, that's the first thing. The other thing is that there is always concern that we might give somebody neoadjuvant chemotherapy, but the cancer might be resistant to it and carry on growing and the patient might end up in a worse position than if we had taken them straight to surgery. And so we had to look very carefully at that and we had to gauge the length of time that we would expose people to neoadjuvant chemotherapy to try to give them a chance to have some benefit from it, but at the same time not such a long period that patients who weren't benefiting might then end up in a worse position. So there were some difficult decisions to be made, but we felt in 2008 that we were 
far enough forward to be able to do that. The Fox Truck trial, in essence, is a simple trial. So standard treatment for somebody with operable colon cancer is to have a, an operation first, then to wait till they've recovered from the operation, and then to have a course of chemotherapy, and that chemotherapy would normally involve 24 weeks of treatment with a platinum drug, oxaloplatin, and with a fluorobrimidine. And in the trial, we randomized patients between that, which is our control arm, and a novel arm in which all we did was move six weeks of the chemotherapy and give it preoperatively instead of postoperatively. So in the novel arm, patients had six weeks of chemotherapy, then their operation, and then they had the remaining 18 weeks of surgery, of chemotherapy, sorry, after the operation. So that was the basic design of the trial. On top of that, there were a couple of sort of additional tweaks. And the main tweak is that for patients who had a tumor that was KRAS wild types, so that's molecular characterization of the tumor that they have a that they had no mutation in the KRAS oncogene. Those patients, we wanted to know whether adding an anti-EGFR monoclonal antibody drug called panitumumab, whether that would improve the outcomes and specifically improve the preoperative treatment outcomes. So for patients with a KRAS wild-type cancer, we offered an optional nested sub-randomization where if they were in the neoadjuvant treatment arm, they could then be sub-randomized to have the chemotherapy alone or the chemotherapy plus panitumumab. And that was added in as like an optional extra in the trial. So those were, that was the basic design of the trial. We ran the trial with 1,052 patients across three countries. So it was in the UK and in Denmark and in Sweden. It took quite a long time for all of those patients to be, to be entered into the study. Um, we were selecting patients who had a CT scan evidence of locally advanced colon cancer, that's to say colon cancer with, which was penetrating through the muscularis propria, so that's to say it was at least stage T3, but which hadn't metastasized to distant sites and was not obstructed. So those were the patients who went in. We followed them for a minimum of two years looking for evidence of, of relapse or persistent disease at that two-year endpoint. And we were also very interested to know whether there was evidence that the cancers were shrinking in the period leading up to surgery. So we were able to compare the histology, that's to say the pathology specimens, of the cancers from patients who'd had the neoadjuvant chemotherapy compared with those who went straight to surgery. And we were also really very concerned to make sure that we could look at whether there was any change in the perioperative morbidity. That's to say, did patients have an increased risk of side effects or complications after their surgery if they'd had preoperative chemotherapy? Because that was something which could would potentially be a danger of, of neoadjuvant therapy. So that was the trial. It ran uh, successfully, and we've now looked at the results. And so to summarize the results, I think the first thing to say is that let's look at the, at the um, safety. And we got a really good and actually quite surprising result here, which is that we found that actually far from increasing the, the, uh, the morbidity of surgery, we actually found that those patients who had chemotherapy before surgery had a lower risk of serious surgical complications. Uh, it, was, it approximately halved the rate of patients who had an anastomotic breakdown or required a second operation. 
Now, that's a really, really good result to have seen. And we're trying to do some work now to work out exactly why that happened. Now, there's the obvious, obvious point, which is that the tumours were smaller. So it may have been that the surgery was sort of easier in that sense. But there may be some more complicated or more biological reasons around the, the tumour immunity and the fitness of patients, which made them fitter to go through surgery after they've had chemotherapy. So that was, that was the first thing. We then looked at the cancers that were removed, and we were able to compare those cancers in the patients in the control arm who had their operation first versus those patients in the novel arm who'd had six weeks of chemotherapy and then had their operation. And we looked at all of those cancers, and in fact, we've done central pathological review by pathologists who didn't know when, when they were looking at the cancers, whether they'd been, which, which of the treatment arms they'd been in. So this was a blinded pathology review. And what we found was that there was highly significant downstaging. That's to say the cancers which had been pre-treated with chemotherapy were smaller, they were uh, less advanced, that's to say there was less penetration through the muscularis, there was less chance of the cancer being up to the edge of the resection specimen, a higher proportion of patients had a clean reception. So that's to say that the, the, the number of patients where the cancer was at risk of relapsing because it was very close to the resection margin was reduced by, by more than half, in fact. So a really good evidence that the, that the chemotherapy had shrunk the cancers. And actually, when the pathologists look at the tumors, they can gauge what's called a tumor regression grade. They can look at, at evidence of whether the cancer cells have been killed and replaced by stroma in the tumors. And we saw a lot of good evidence of, of regression of the cancers when, when, the, uh, when the pathologists scored them in that way. So that was really good to see. It then comes to the long-term endpoint, that's to say that looking at out of two years and asking whether all of that benefit at the time of surgery translates into better oncological results in the long term. Now, what we found there was that there was improvement, but it didn't quite hit the statistical criteria that we'd set ourselves. And that was, an, that was a disappointment, but I'll, I'll just explain that a little bit. When we set out to do the trial, we hypothesized that by giving the chemotherapy up front like this, the six weeks of chemotherapy up front, we were hoping to see about a 25% reduction in the number of patients who had uh, relapse or persistent disease two years later. And that was a figure that we reasoned that we might expect to see. In fact, what we did see was exactly a 25% reduction. But because, in fact, the, we saw fewer relapses in both arms of the study than we were anticipating, the, not, the overall number of relapses that we saw, even though it was reduced by 25%, we aren't able to give the clear statistical certainty that that's a, that that's a true result. That's to say the p-value, which is a measure of the, of the probability that a, that a result of a trial might have arisen by chance. We would normally expect a, a p-value to be less than 0.05, so that's to say less than a 5% chance that, the, that, that we've seen a false positive result. And in this trial, we ended up with a p-value of 0.08, so an 8% chance of, of a false positive result. So it's a bit disappointing that, that, that we weren't able to we aren't able to say with absolute certainty that the two-year results are improved. So that was a disappointment. As I say, on the positive side, we came very close. Um, and also on the positive side, we saw very clear evidence of downstaging. 
that's to say that the shrinking of the cancers, the reduction in stage of the cancers, and we also saw clear evidence of a reduction in operative morbidity. We don't think that it would be necessary or acceptable to repeat this trial. As I say, the trial didn't produce the absolute clarity that we were hoping for in terms of a statistically significant result. But we don't think, and we've discussed this with many of our colleagues worldwide, that, they were, that people feel that it's necessary to rerun the whole trial in order to see whether we can get that p-value down below the 5% mark. Now that means that we're in a situation where we have a treatment here which, in, which is no more expensive than standard treatment. It's simply a question of moving into the preoperative setting a little bit of the chemotherapy that we were going to give anyway. It doesn't increase toxicity for patients. In fact, it reduces the toxicity of the surgery. And it's producing clear benefits in terms of reduction of stage, reduction of the proportion of patients with a positive margin at the time of surgery. And it's giving us a trend which is highly suggestive, though not absolutely confirming, that the longer-term outcomes are also improved. And clear certainty that those out long-term outcomes are not actually made worse. And under that circumstance, we feel, and colleagues that we've discussed this with at the ASCO meeting and elsewhere, feel that this provides clear, a clear basis to be able to offer this approach to patients. That's not quite the same as saying this should become the standard of care. When we talk about a standard of care, we're talking about a treatment that must be offered to patients. And we're not going quite that far here. But what we are saying is that this is a treatment which is very reasonable and sensible to offer to patients. And therefore, it's now a clear treatment option. As far as research goes, we and other groups are very keen to use this trial result as the basis for a new generation of research trials. In fact, we've already got those on the drawing board and we're working with other national groups in Europe to expand our collaboration. So the Foxtrot 1 trial involved centres in the UK, in Denmark and in Sweden. We're now having discussions with, with colleagues from other countries who want to join and we plan to look at a program of, of trials which will, ex which will build on this result and make, uh, we hope, offer better chances for, for a wider range of patients. That will include looking at the possibility of giving this brief six-week neoadjuvant treatment to patients who are older and frailer and who perhaps would not be in a good, good position to be able to be offered post-operative adjuvant chemotherapy that can be a real problem for the older and frailer patients. So giving a brief treatment up front might be a really good option for them. We're also going to be looking in the, in the younger and fitter patients at the option of intensifying that neoadjuvant treatment and giving instead of just the two drugs that we were using in Foxtrot, actually giving a triple drug combination in the neoadjuvant therapy to see if we can further in, increase the efficacy of the treatment in that setting. So we've got a, a couple of, of different options that we're looking at at the moment to, to try to expand that. We're also looking at whether during that neoadjuvant phase we can be a bit more specific and offer treatments which are targeting specific molecular changes. Now in the, in the Foxtrot trial we did, as I told you, look at patients who were KRAS wild type and we looked at an anti-EGFR antibody, panitumumab, 
so far, we haven't seen any substantial improvement for the patients who did get panagemab. We've got some more work to do there yet. But we are already looking at other options. And for example, we know that patients with a mutation in another oncogene called BRAF have a really poor prognosis. And there are now treatments which can specifically target that BRAF oncogene, which we think may be a, a really good way of, of treating those. So that's something which we could put into that neoadjuvant setting. And then finally, we're looking at patients who've got a condition called mismatch repair deficiency. That affects about one in five or one in six patients with operable bowel cancer. And in fact, in the Foxtrot trial, we did have about 170 patients with mismatch repair deficiency. And what we found in that group of patients when we looked at them is we really didn't see much evidence that the neoadjuvant chemotherapy was helping them. So we're really interested now to see if there are better ways. We already know from other research that immunotherapy is an effective treatment for patients with DNA mismatch repair deficiency. So we, we think that might be a better neoadjuvant approach for those patients. So we've got lots of ideas. And then the final thing is that one of the great advantages of giving chemotherapy before an operation is that we can see what it's doing. And normally, when we treat people postoperatively, we really don't know whether our treatment is effective or not. We just have to give it on faith. But when we're giving it neoadjuvantly, we can actually see what's happening to the cancer while we're treating it. That does mean that there are some patients where we can see that it really hasn't done anything. And in fact, in Foxtrot, we found that about 30% or 35% of patients, when it came to the surgery, we didn't really see any evidence that the cancer had regressed. So for those patients, we need to think what to do postoperatively and whether there are alternative treatments which would be of more value to them. So we're looking at that as well as a way of, of improving the outcomes for those patients. So this involved a huge number of people. This is not all about me or just a small number of people. This is about a, a vast team, um, great, great people who've been involved in, in working together to achieve this. And I'd also like to credit the charities who actually put up the money to, to run it. So Cancer Research UK is our big charity in the UK and actually funded the trial and have stuck with us over a long period to make sure that we were able to deliver it. And we're hugely grateful to that charity for having done that. We're also grateful to another charity called Yorkshire Cancer Research who supported some of the work that we've done in the laboratory. And the panitumumab part of this study was supported by an educational grant from Amgen who are the company that make that drug. So we've had a, a lot of support in, providing the, in, in doing the research. And then finally, of course, the huge number of patients, so the 1,052 patients who actually took part in this trial. It takes quite a lot to sign on, to sign on the dotted line on the consent form for a randomized trial where the treatment arms are really quite different and which would mean that you're going to be allocated by chance to go straight to surgery or to have chemotherapy first. And it takes bravery and a real sense of altruism to do that. And we're hugely grateful to the patients who contributed.